You've got a passion for the outdoors, a desire to feel the warm sun on your face, the sound of your fly line whipping through the air, the pop of the water as the fish inhales the fly you just found in the floorboard of your truck. You need to feel the cool waters on your feet, the crisp north breeze of a November morning, the sound of a turkey gobble, the December rut, the chills of an elk bugle in September. It's the longing passion to chase your obsession. This is what we share. This is what we preach. Welcome to Honey Hole Hangout. Welcome to Honey Hole Hangout, guys. We got a good episode for y'all today. We're all jacked. Whoa, Zach. Oh, Whoa. Whoa. I was all jacked <laughs> up on coffee. <laughs> I'm all muted. I don't want to mute myself. I'm all jacked up on coffee. Oh, man. So it's 10 p.m. and we've been drinking coffee. It's bean juice. Yeah. So today on the show, we have myself, Landon. We have Zach. Hello. And we have Gabe. Good morning. Good we interviewed. Good evening. Evening. Good night. Ooh. We interviewed two guys that put together the A-Team Anglers Tournament that benefits the Green Beret Foundation. You guys will hear that interview at the end of this show. They're friends of ours. They're great guys, and they support a great cause. Stick around. Fellow Red Raider. Fellow, one fellow Red Raider yep. and a Green Beret. We talked to him about his experience there. It's really cool. So stick around. That's going to be great. But first, we were sent coffee to try. Because it's summer, summer mixing. mixing. Yes. So, now, although uh, it's the summer of mixing, we, you know, we have to put our honey hole spin on it. Wild Rivers Coffee, coffee Company. Company sent us two bags of coffee. I reached out to them because uh, a listener suggested that we reach out to them. So, we did. We reached out to them. And they sent us a note. I'm going to read you guys a note. Uh, it says, thank you for supporting our small business efforts, and wildlife conservation. Uh, we're excited to fuel your podcast and your future outdoor adventures. We pride ourselves on responsibly sourcing premium beans, roasting fresh, and giving back to the wild places and wild things that give us so much joy. And they were kind enough to share a code with our listeners. Uh, they said, be sure to share the code HONEYHOLE to your listeners for 15% off all coffee orders we are excited for our partnership. Happy sim, sim, sipping. I was going to say simping. <laughs> Happy, si- <laughs> Happy sipping. Happy sipping, uh, Sammy and Marshall. I've been emailing back and forth. Them. Yeah. They're super nice. They're traveling all summer, like in an RV. Oh, that's and, awesome. Like, they're roasting their own coffee. Yeah, that's on the list to do, just yeah. traveling like yeah. that. So it and is wildriverscoffeeco.com. Mm-hmm. And what's the code? The code is HONEYHOLE for 15% off. What was the code again? HONEYHOLE. One word or two? It's one word. One word. HONEYHOLE, HONEYHOLE, HONEYHOLE. HONEYHOLE. Get some coffee. You guys will get it's a like discount. Juice. Yeah. We're, we actually, <laughs> it's bean juice. Bean juice, so man. It's we, good. We, we're doing a taste test in, in typical HONEYHOLE fashion. Yes. It's a summer mixing. We, of course, had to make like some coffee mixed drinks. Right. So yeah. we did try the coffee black. We tried the coffee we, black. We tried their Guatemala uh, beans, which were great. Milk chocolate, nectarine, and toffee flavors. Yeah. And it was great. 
was good. And then next week, we're going to try another blend. But there's going to be a little spice of life. We have had long conversations this evening. There was an argument. This, well, not an yeah. argument this evening, About. but uh, a coming of age discussion. Well, there's the just the right way to do something and the wrong <laughs> there way it to is. do something. There it is. Okay. So, like, I like most hardworking working people <laughs> <laughs> with limited listen, time who listen to this podcast have a coffee maker <laughs> i put coffee into a coffee maker you have a drip drip machine a drip machine yeah and i have a coffee grinder apparently i've been told all evening that this is the wrong way to make coffee yeah, every process you have is wrong from your wooden scoop to the blade grinder to the to the drip machine actually i like your wooden scoop it's fine but the blade grinder and the coffee drip machine yeah, no, that's got to change. Now, the way I make cold brew is correct. Yeah, your cold brew is fine. Yeah, but okay. we're not. We're right, not but even you yeah. specifically said your cold brew tastes night and day better than your drip machine. Oh, yeah, but I yeah. also like cold brew. Right. I'm like 90% of the time drinking cold brew. Even if I go out and get coffee, right. I'm drinking cold brew. I just like it better. So, uh, apparently, you know, the way that every hardworking American makes coffee is the wrong way. And next week, Zach is going to taste test me the drip machine versus his scientifically yeah weighed out with the scale weighed out it's with a the Chemex scale machine and grinded with like ceramic crap I don't know yeah burr grinders burr grinders yeah so that way conical burr grinders oh my gosh. that way every bean gets grinded to the exact specification you need it to that proper coffee making vessel <laughs> And don't forget to bring your Tinkara rod. So yeah, that's gonna happen next week. <laughs> I'll Tinkara and drink fancy coffee. I'm, at the go, same I'm going. Time. To, I'm going to. You only need one hand with Tinkara, okay? I'm if going. Hands for sipping. I'm going to blind taste test the traditional way to make coffee with yep. this Wild Rivers uh, blend that we haven't tried yet, versus Zach's scientific method yep. way of making coffee, and and Gabe's making a French press. You're going to make a French press? Yeah, I'll bring the French press. Okay, so we're going to do three different ways. Yeah. And I am going to settle the debate once and for all which way is the best. Yeah. Subjectively. Well, it's not, I mean. It's my I, opinion. It's your opinion, correct. And uh, and I'm sure it doesn't matter once you I'll, start I'll putting let you, some I'll let you guys know bourbon if, cream inside of it like I'll, we did. I'll so. let you guys yeah, know <laughs> if Zach's wasting time or if y'all can just do the hard working way of a drip machine. No, it was, it look. It was good. It was we good had, coffee. We had a good coffee. It's good coffee. And then we, we spiked it a little bit because of what time are we in? Summer of mixing. The summer, summer of, of mixing. mixing. We uh, we did have a bottle of, of uh, Buffalo Trace bourbon cream. It's about cool. the best thing you can put in a coffee. Oh, it's oh. fantastic. So good. And uh, and so we, we had it straight, and we, we put a little bit of mix in there. They were both good. It's they were good. Both really they were good. both really we good. Had two, I had two cups. I I'm two cups as well. Yeah, I know. Ken's which is mad when I kind of try to get in bed at twelve o'clock. Dude, I'm shaking. Dude, yeah, yeah, dude. It's nine o'clock and we're already kind of. No, it's uh, not nine o'clock. It's ten. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Here we go. And the bourbon cream with the iced coffee is. That's good. Share kiss. Good. Yeah. No, it was it was good all around. Thank you guys for sending that to us. And yep. um, again, awesome. One more time. Honey hole is the code. Wild Rivers Coffee Company. Or we'll, WildRiversCoffeeCo.com. CoffeeCo.com. We'll link it in the show notes. But their bags are cool. Their bags are very cool. Go support a brand that's supporting conservation. They're 2% for conservation. Yep. Uh, remember, they've been really nice. They uh, 
do all their coffee in-house, and uh, we're excited and love to share share uh, good coffee with you Do you drink coffee every morning? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, me too. I don't every morning. Yeah. It was weird. Like, I never did in college, and then when I got, like, I graduated and got a real job, it still took, like, two years. Really? And then all of a sudden one day, I'm, like, at the office, they had, we had a coffee machine, it was like, you know, I I'll stayed up. Thing. I stayed up till like one o'clock last night. I'll, eh, I'll just I'll pour I'll pour a cup, and then it just became like the thing, the thing, an everyday thing. Well, well, it's weird is in in college how many times that we went to the coffee company at like or like the coffee place at like nine o'clock at night. Well, I went to a small school, so right. like the only place we had was IHOP. Yeah. So there were some times where it was like two, three o'clock in the morning studying, coffee, some pancakes, yeah. and your you know your book, but. That wasn't an everyday practice, you know, not like, again, getting a real job, real world, you're like, it just becomes a thing. It becomes like a normal part of your morning. Part of your morning. It's the thing you look, it's the thing that gets you out of bed. Right. When you have to go to work. Yeah. You're like, okay, at least I got to have my coffee. Yeah. It's going to take a lot. Like, I probably had 12 hours of sleep to not get coffee in the morning, but I think even then I'd be like, yeah, I still need a cup. Yeah. I have have a cup or two. I have two cups every day. Yeah, for me, coffee... Uh, I feel really dehydrated after I drink coffee. I think more so than the average person. Really? Yeah. Um, and so when I drink coffee, I don't drink a lot. Um, because I feel like I have to drink a gallon of water after. Well, I will say when we go early morning fishing, I'm not going to drink coffee. <laughs> unless that's for a different reason, though. That's for unless there's a uh, Bucky's on the way. Okay. A bathroom. <laughs> a bathroom. Yeah, because coffee does that to me too. Like yeah. major, like as soon as I really? sip, I'm like, yeah. "Ooh, mama, it's I, a brewing." I think for me, it's in case anybody doesn't know, we're talking about pooping. Yeah. Uh, for me, I'm on such a schedule, you know. Yeah. That like I'm I'm an like an evening pooper, huh. you know, and I drink coffee every morning, and it's like it never hits in the middle of the day. Oh, dude, if I drink coffee, yeah. I'm like, really? Yeah. Yeah. First, yeah, first thing, like if that's the first thing I had, like I, that's why I got to be careful when we go. We're driving 45 minutes to a place that's not going to have a bathroom. You know, I'm not like Cliff. I don't have, I don't have a shovel in the car, and to be out in the outdoors, I can't. I can't do a Cliff. You know, I need my my quiet privacy room. I get a bucket. I can't. Nope. I'll pass. I'll hold it. I'll hold it. Until not the a yeti. It's on not the a yeti bucket because I don't want to poop in a forty dollar bucket. <laughs> but. <laughs> I will say we we did I did a trip in uh, around like 2008 um I spent a week on pins and we had a 5 gallon bucket and the guy I went with was hilarious cuz he's like we didn't bring a 5 gallon bucket he's like we're going to find one like there hasn't been a trip where we haven't found <laughs> a washed up 5 gallon bucket did you find one yeah of course we did oh yeah and he had like a red he had a red toilet seat yep Right, and, and then a coffee can with your toilet paper. So, we, like, we found our spot. We think we're, like, 22, 23 miles down. And, um, you know, I found a spot, and I will say, like, to this day, that was the greatest bathroom I've ever been in. Just, just looking out. Dude, 7, 7, 15 in the morning, 7, 20 in the morning, you're sitting there. You're listening to, you know, you're in the back part of a dune, but you can still see a picturesque view, the sun coming up and the, the waves coming in and a nice breeze, morning glories while you're taking your morning glories, dude. Yeah. Amazing to this day, amazing. My nice. new house in my primary bathroom. If I, if I kind of poop at an angle, yeah, you know, like a little bit on one cheek, <laughs> I can see through the door, which has windows, and then I can see through my bedroom window, 
all at the same time. So I can see some squirrels while I'm pooping, which is oh, not bad. Nice. Yeah. And I put, I installed some nice little hanging lights like you have out here. And um, so I'm adding some ambiance while I poop. Yeah. But it's only at a certain angle. Right. You know, <laughs> yeah. if I'm, if I'm, if I'm flush, <laughs> you can't see. <laughs> if I'm flush oh on, on, on the seat, I, I got nothing. I got no view. Yeah. I, I got a shower. I have a buddy built a house out in Bernie, and one of the bathrooms is is main va- or like one of the the side bathrooms has a sliding. He purposely did it as a sliding, like a, you can open the window and put a feeder out, and <laughs> literally, if you wanted to like kill a kill a, a pig. Can do it while sitting down on the toilet. That'd just be too much excitement for me. <laughs> <laughs> just, well, I think that would be the perfect the perfect place. I was so excited to poop myself while yeah. I was on the toilet. Yeah, exactly. It'd just be it'd be too much air flowing. <laughs> Don't know how I handle it. Uh, good times, good times. <laughs> Zach, you went fishing today. I did go. You want to talk about fishing during a drought? I do. Um, yeah. So I went out to my honey hole. I took my uh, Mister John. He's a teaching buddy, mm-hmm. and um, so we went out today. We left about 5.30 on your recommendation, because I probably would have left around 6.30. Yeah, um, have to. Yeah, and we got there right around 6, and um, like first crack of light, and <laughs> John was freaking slaying it that first hour. Yeah. I awesome. mean, he was throwing on this little like uh, foam spider, mm-hmm. and... I don't know why. I was like, okay, he's going to throw top water. I'm going to throw just something underneath, you know. And he was killing it. Like, he caught two big bass, like, big for the Guadalupe. But still, um, off the bat. Yeah, first 20 minutes, you know. Um, the water was extremely low. So, however, at my honey hole, I typically go up, upstream. So, we were able to go downstream because that's typically too uh, deep. And I don't want to, like, swim. So, we headed downstream. Um, which was okay for a bit, but it was, it was just so low. And we got to one point where I showed you guys the picture. The flowing water literally was stopped. It was like little pools, maybe like a little trickle of a Creek or something that was kind of mm-hmm. going from one pool to the next, but I've never seen it so low. And could you feel that water temperature difference as you were moving your way down down river, yeah, we definitely could. Yeah, uh, I it's mean, amazing. Yeah, it is, it is crazy. Um, I mean, a, a huge amount of difference between a cool spot and a stagnant. It was warm, crazy. Spot. Yeah. Yes, I know. Like we would step in one spot, especially like a three or four inch spot, mm-hmm. and it was like freezing cold. And then we'd walk to like another spot, and it would be like hot. I'd be like, oh man, this is weird, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. It it was sad because like yeah. that's that's my honey hole, you know, and. Um, but it was so shallow. We saw a bunch of fish, which was frustrating because like I said, that first hour, John slayed it. I didn't catch anything that first hour. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was going to get frustrated. I was like, what's going on? And even, I even threw on like a top water, like, okay, like I got this. I'm going to do the same thing he did and still nothing, you know? Um, but we saw a lot of cichlids, didn't land any cichlids. And then once the sun rose a little bit, then I, what I was doing is I was fishing like smaller, like mayfly or whatever they're called patterns. Um, yeah, mayflies, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, then it turned on for me, and it turned off for him, you know. And so we kind of swapped there. And so I mean, like we caught fish <clears throat> out in the hill country. It, when we got there, it was probably like seventy-two degrees, so it was a little bit cooler out there. And uh, kind of like what you said, 
We got there at 6. It was fishing well for maybe two, two and a half hours. 8.30. Done. It died. And so we kind of, we turned around, went upstream a little bit just to kind of see. I did see about four good-sized carp. And like, but that's it was so shallow that they saw me, and you know, yeah, I kind of half cast it at them. And then there's a million sucker fish. And the thing that surprised me is how many catfish there were, right? It was crazy how many catfish are in the quad that we just don't normally see, yeah, because there's moving water, and now you have stagnant areas where you're getting you're seeing more carp, more catfish, and it's so shallow that you can kind of see pretty much where everything is. And I mean, like, those catfish were up in pods of three or four of them, you know, just spinning in circles and. Um, so probably around 1030, we kind of hiked back to the car. Um, I actually caught one more panfish and one more bass on that hike back. Um, and what time do you think you got out? We got out at 11 at 11. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's I mean, what that's, you said. Yeah. You said six to 11. You said by 11, it'll be dead. And it was outside of the few there at the very end. There were kind of more flukes than anything, probably. Yeah. Um, but hey, I ended the trip on a couple of fish when we hadn't caught anything for about two hours. Yeah, and at so. least that's yeah. Getting there as the sun is coming up, especially because the water temperature is so warm right now. Yeah. It it's not it's it's not like if it was really up and flowing, it'd be man, it's kind of cold, you know. Yeah. And but it, it's comfortable. Yeah, it wasn't. Right. It wasn't too no. cold, too hot. But for, until for ten, by that ten thirty, as that sun's coming up, then you start feeling a lot more warm water. Yes, and and it, it just changes. It's so weird. Yeah, well, it's not weird, but I mean, there's a little water. I mean, what do yeah. you ex- what do you expect? Yeah, it's still cool though. It was cool. So we had caught fish. Um, tested out a new fly rod, which was good. Um, but all in all, good day fishing. We need rain. You know, and I, I just keep thinking it's going to be like it is every time we have this kind of drought where in about a month it'll pour and pour and we're going to get a lot of flooding and then we'll deal with that, you know. But it seems like one of those because I think like 2011, 2012 was the last bad drought like this, yeah. if you guys remember that year. But but now the concern is come August, start getting rain and you know the ground's the so ground's dry. Not ready for it. It's yeah. gonna, we're gonna get floods and stuff, and which it always uh, happens, right? It, it always happens. But it's, it's just a thing. It just, just happens, a thing. right? So you know, it's it, just gonna be, be two weeks flooding of is a, flooding is a thing, and it used to not be a big deal, but now no, everyone is building their houses right on the yeah. river, and it's it's a big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was good. It, in Texas, we get thunderstorms. So when it rains, like we get a thunderstorm, it's gonna drop. You know, a lot of rain in a short amount yeah. of time. Yeah. And that's just, that's just. And then it ruins fisheries for a few months. and Yeah, yeah or at least for a couple of weeks for sure. Yeah. Nature's laxative, man. Yeah. So, I don't know. Can't, I, you can't argue on a day you're catching fish. Yeah. You no. know, and got a couple beers after. So And hopefully we get some rain. I hope so. Yeah. I think all, I think, uh, you know how in the quad for trout we've had some good holdover years? No, that's not going to happen uh, this it's year. It's not this year. No, I think all those trout are going to die. Unless they're like right at the dam, I I think it's going to be it's going to be bad. I don't see how they wouldn't. Yeah. How they well, wouldn't make it. Why well, I, I haven't checked the the I haven't checked the the flows I wonder up there. What, here, I'll look right now. All down. I know is like when I was in when I was was it last week? Not this weekend cuz I did go fishing this weekend, but last weekend when I was up at um a spot that was probably blanked out mm-hmm. <laughs> in the podcast. They had flow. There was moving water. There was a lot more water than I'd seen in a while, but that was a different stretch. That was a different river. Yeah. Well, even, I mean, like, I fished the same spot four weeks ago, and it was totally different. 
Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Like how quickly it changed. And yeah. four weeks ago, it was flowing well, you know. Yeah. Flows are 67 CFS on in Sattler, so that's below the dam. Uh, historic averages are 200. Whoa, okay. Yeah. Yep, 200 or higher. And that's the last 58 years. 67 even surprises me. I, but, I mean, like you said, it's below the dam, so it's constantly getting fed water. Yep. But... But from 200 And that to all 60. depends on the lake levels. Like, yeah. all that's, like, yeah. Army Corps of Engineers, like, yeah, you know. I don't know. I wonder what tubers are doing. I don't know. I was just happy that we went to a place that had water, had, like, bigger, deeper spots yeah. that we could at least get shots at stuff and, and did well and, you know, made it for a day. But, yeah, we were we were out of the water by 11. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, there's no point? There's no point. Yeah. So... Uh, did you guys? Uh, oh, we have some articles. I want to talk about mine. Go. Uh, mine is going to be a neat things in nature. How neat is that? That's pretty neat. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you guys have been watching anything in the past couple of days, uh, this was released yesterday. NASA reveals the first images of the Webb Telescope. Yeah, and it is awesome. It's crazy. Like, that's my phone background because it's just like... Yeah. No, it's just... It's crazy. It's so cool. If you guys haven't seen these pictures or seen anything about it, you guys need to go read about it. It's just so cool. Um, when you guys look at these images, uh, let's see. You see, they, they released four main images, I think, right? Uh, five. Okay. So they... Let me see here. I had it. Where did it go? So, yeah, they took five images, uh, or at least released five so far. Um, and they the five images are of SMAX 0723, and it's the deepest and sharpest infrared image of the distant universe so far, and in only 12.5 hours. For a person standing on Earth, Looking up, the field of view for this new image, a color composite of multiple exposures, each about two hours long, is approximately the size of a grain of sand held at arm's length. Yeah. The deep field uses uh, the deep field uses a lensing galaxy cluster to find some of the most distant galaxies ever detected. This image only scratches the surface of Webb's capabilities and studying deep fields and tracing galaxies back to the beginning of cosmic time. Um, and what's cool, I think what's so neat about this is we actually are seeing the past, right? We're seeing hundreds yeah. of millions of years ago. Yeah. When you look at some of these, right? Because, you know, most of these places are thousands of light years away, like yep. 100,000 light years away. And it just takes that long for the light from these stars and galaxies to make it here. Yep. Right, but what's cool is when you look at like the picture, the one with all the galaxies that is the size of a grain of sand. When you hold it out, there's like thousands of galaxies, right? In this one image, right? And so, like people forget, we are in our solar system, right, with our sun. That it would, if we got in our fastest ship, it would take 17 years for us to make it to the sun, <laughs> right? And we're not even like halfway in our solar system. Yeah. Right. So. We are part of our solar system. That's part of our Milky Way galaxy. 
And that's how big it is. And, and then every speck on these images is a galaxy. That does not have the the, the spikes coming off of it. Yeah, those are stars in our galaxy. In our galaxy, yes, yep. because they're closer to us, so we, we have received more light on our infrared yep. uh, camera, essentially. Um, so, yeah, so it is just, it is so massive. And if that's how many is in one speck. Like, our whole sky is filled with nothing but galaxies and galaxies, right? Yeah. It's so ever-expanding universe. Right. Yeah. Astronomy was, like, my favorite class in college. It's it's the student's favorite part. That's why we end the year on it, because it keeps their attention before summer. Yeah. (laughs) It's just... And these images are, like, so crystal clear, and... I love it when they compare them to what the Hubble telescope got in the late 90s, and you actually see the differences. Like, you can see the space dust and the space gas is coming off of... Like, we're actually looking at these dying stars and how the the star is releasing their gases as it's literally coming to the end of its life. Like, it's... I don't know. So, the one of the Carina Nebula is real cool because before they were only actually able to capture the nebula, but now they can actually, with the infrared... They can see what's behind the yeah. nebula. So they're seeing they're seeing what star how stars are actually formed yeah. or how stars are being created in their early stages of life, which is between five and I think a hundred thousand years is what they're saying of like the early stages of a star's yeah. life. And um so yeah, like behind our the little gas nebula thing. Yeah. They're seeing all that. So it's I don't just know. It, th- these images are just so cool. They almost they don't look real. Like yeah. with the amount of color and everything that we're gaining from and it. And they're supposed to, these are just the first pictures too. Like this is going to be so cool to watch, to reveal. Um, I've been seeing stuff about how they're going to have, um, there's some leaks that have been coming about how Jupiter, uh, like high resolution photos of Jupiter are supposed to be coming soon. Well, our, um, our satellite is making it past it. This year, like it's like within so far of it. Yeah. The one we sent out like 20 years ago, 30 years ago, something like that. And then um, they're supposed to be taking like more pictures like of our galaxy, of the Milky Way. Mm-hmm. And just like the the capabilities and like what we're going to see. It's just so cool. Yeah. It's just so cool. Yeah. I'm excited. So if you guys want to be ca- caught up um, on Instagram, if you go to NASA Web, and that's N-A-S-A-W-E-B-B. They post all of their updates, um, and you can actually see what the what the telescope looks like. Um, it's pretty amazing, especially when you look at all the different uh, lenses and mirrors they have on it, and um, the amount of technology and science that went to create this thing is pretty pretty phenomenal. Um, and if you don't know, they actually they launched it in December, so it's only been out there for a few months, and we're already kind of seeing. Um, yeah, the benefits of this kind of stuff. Man, these are so sick. Yeah, honestly, it's it's pretty mind blowing. I'm I'm pumped on it. I'm gonna I'm gonna be keeping up with it. Um, I love like astronomy, and I mean, me and McKenna got engaged um, out at uh, McDonald Observatory, mm-hmm. and that's just kind of our thing. It's going stargazing and doing that, and like one of my favorite classes in college, and I just like. It's just so cool. I'm just pumped. Yeah. It's just really pumped. neat. Plus, the, you know, I don't know. More and more stuff we're going to find out there. Yeah. For sure. All right. What do you, uh, Gabe, what do you got for us today? I don't know what it would be under. We've got, uh, let's see, let me make sure I've got the right one up. Um, Noah warns of aggressive dolphin causing concerns for human safety off the Texas coast. What do you think that's going to fall under there? 
I don't know. Pick one. We need something, right? Not Florida? <laughs> Not Florida, man. This is Texas. Is it another neat thing? I guess so. Another neat thing. How neat is that? There you That's go. That's pretty neat. <laughs> <laughs> Noah warns of an aggressive dolphin causing concerns for human safety off the what Texas What kind coast. of aggression? Is it like King of the Hill aggression? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It says... It, uh, okay. <laughs> if you know, you know. This made, this made national news. Stay away from the too friendly dolphin. Officials, officials, which is the thing that is, yeah. <laughs> officials have identified an animal that has gotten a bit pushy in the water off North Padre Island. Um, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration said in a press release, North I think Padre I Island is about 20 miles east of Corpus Christi. Biologists report the animal is showing more aggressive behavior, separating children from their parents in the water, what? and isolating swimming pets from their owners. Why? The problem is that people have been feeding, swimming, and playing with the dolphin for more than a year despite warnings from biologists, law enforcement, and residents to stay away from it, according to the release. So the, the biologists like, we told you so. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, well, it, that's every person that gets gored by a bison in Yellowstone. Like, how yeah. many signs are there and how many people have to tell you stay right. away? But a bison isn't going to get thrusty. Actually, I guess it might. <laughs> you know. I mean... I, I would hate to be out there. I mean, imagine being out there like, oh, man, this is cool. There's a dolphin coming over. You're know, trying to right. fish in the surf, and then and then this thing just comes and starts, I don't know. Bottle-nosing you? Bottle-nosing <laughs> you in the wrong places. Corpusing you? I don't you know. know what? And I don't have my whistle with me, and it just becomes a whole thing. <laughs> you know, it's just kind of an awkward thing to come so back it, from. So officially it is King of the Hill friendly. I mean, I, I guess so. I mean, I'm. Gets a little too excited. Yeah, I mean, how does that work? I but wouldn't want to like tell a, my buddies about it when I got back. What would happen? That's like, like, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's like a known thing with dolphins, though. Like, there's a reason it's a joke. Yeah. Yeah. They're the other, only other animal that feels pleasure from that, from doing the act. I mean, I guess we can talk about it. It's the Honey Hole podcast. <laughs> it's the Honey Hole. Okay, so here's an update. Here's Dolphins just looking for his Honey Hole. <laughs> so this, was, this, this happened at the beginning of the month. <laughs> okay, so people kept playing with a dolphin known to be friendly off the Texas coast, and now rescuers have had to step in and remove the dolphin from her home. What does that mean? So I guess they found it. And they, what do they put? What do they put? Uh, probably to take they it. Probably to the, tranquilize the, it. The dolphin's it. home is uh, the ocean. <laughs> I mean, it sounds it like come back. It sounds like she went. They're gonna to, fly. Uh, it you to, can't put it in the forest. <laughs> well, part they're of, gonna fly it to Japan and just say good luck. <laughs> good luck. There you go. Part of that other article had mentioned that the dolphin had been wounded, and you know, and because of its friendliness with boats and other stuff, had been you know a little bit. Gotten a little bit close to something. <laughs> Friendly with boats. Friendly with boats. But they, they found it. It looks like they found it. It looks like this this article, like I said, beginning of the month, saying that they, they went in there, SeaWorld was involved, and they they took the dolphin. Uh, this rescue follows Texas wildlife experts urging people to stay away from the dolphin with a friendly reputation. Um, so, yeah, they're just saying human interaction is to blame um, if indeed this is the exact same dolphin. Uh, but at least they pulled it, and it is going to be at least rehabilitated and then probably re Well, I don't know. Might be just too friendly. More news at 10. We'll find out about it. But, again, I was just so more nervous, like, man, taking the kid out there and, like, oh, that's, you know, that's cool. Look at that dolphin. That's cool. And then just getting 
violated. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so it's the wrong story. It's too many YouTube videos. Do you name like the that. dolphin at that point? I don't know. I just be it'd be too, you know, just too much. Yeah, you know, too much mentally. I wouldn't want to go back in the water ever again. No, <laughs> no, not after that. <laughs> <laughs> Zach stares off into space. No, no. never again. I'm going to go back to looking at these NASA images. I don't want to think about this anymore. Never again. Never again. Uh. Going back to NASA images. Now you guys understand my fear of aliens. Okay? Oh, yeah. Because you again, look out there. We're in an ever-expanding no, universe. Every no. single dot in that picture could potentially have 10 Earths. Okay, but you're right. we're talking about galaxies that are millions of light years away. But but we're also looking at the light that is millions of years old. Yeah, but I So maybe they're that far advanced. But they can't they, f- they can't travel faster than the speed of light. Uh, how do we know? How do we know? Yeah. Look at uh uh Event Horizon. It's possible that they could travel through space and time by wormhole worm wormhole holes. Oh my god, coffee. Jack's on fun coffee, I can't even Talking too fast. Right. But yeah, there's a possibility. I mean, that exists. Right. We've seen Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seen Event Horizon, which didn't end up well, but right. still. Or, or as you guys all know, time moves differently based on how fast you move. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it does. No, it does. I, 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 it's I in get a book. It. And, and the closer you are to gravity, yeah. the faster it moves. Right? So if, you're, if they're near a sun that is... A thousand times larger than our sun, mm-hmm. then their time is moving slower. Yeah. I understand, but I still think they're <laughs> so right there, far away that it's just not a concern. But your assumption is is that they haven't picked up and left, right? You think they're like us out there, just like some big hairless apes just doing nothing in the middle of nowhere? I mean, their their galaxy could have been swallowed up already right. and and their sun could have bursted i mean ours has what 50 million years left before it's supposed to explode four no no four billion years. four billion years before yeah. it I don't even before know. either the sun engulfs the earth or yeah. our galaxy oh, merges yeah. with the next like, galaxy and the gravitational force between the two literally rips us into space dust. yeah so yeah. we got two options in four billion years. i don't yeah. even know why you guys are like like reality is we're just a flat disc <laughs> that and the government is putting a projection Amen. up in the sky it's for us turtles to look at. all the way down. <laughs> it's just a projection that the government's putting up there. These are fake images that they're releasing. Why are we're there, just on a why disc? Why are there birds outside looking into this window? Don't mess with me, man. <laughs> they listening to our conversation? No, no, no. Owls are like you know one step away from aliens. So <laughs> let's not. Birds aren't real. Hashtag birds. Aren't let's real. not talk about aliens. Hashtag the Earth is flat. Earth is just flat. I mean. It's a cool thing, and we'll never know. And it, I mean, it's not to say that they've already visited and be like, yeah, they're not ready for us yet. <laughs> they can't handle Yeah, they us. can't handle this. No, you see what they're doing without us? <laughs> right. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, forget it. Yeah. <laughs> no. Pass. They got crazy dolphins? No. Pass. No. <laughs> they got crazy. No, don't get in the water. <laughs> go in the water. <laughs> and why? Because the sharks? Just no, take the dolphins. whistle. Heard this new thing called nosing? No, man. Uh, Spiked coffee hits different guys. Yeah, it does, <laughs> man. Spiked coffee hits it was different. Twenty twenty two, and I just wanted to walk into the water. <laughs> <laughs> Never again. Never again. Oh man. 
Yeah, spiked coffee does. It's it's like you get the caffeine, so you're like excited, but then you get a little bit of the goofy, you know, the goofy juice. Yeah. Look, I, I okay, so I want to buy a new truck to go overlanding, to go camping and do that. And I will uh-huh. say, being in the woods, I I I am kind of freaked out about that possibility of like, yeah, yeah, I know. Like I like I want to be far away from people on the coast, but I don't want to be far away from people on the coast. I know. Now that we've talked about it too much, walk from here in my jeep. Really, like that's out. a concern for you guys. You yeah. can when you're out when you're out in the. Boonies, I know it is for you. Yeah, well, you should know. Your dad traumatized. You, you. guys have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I know. When, when you so like, there's trauma associated. So like, I I understand it. I don't agree with it, but I understand it. <laughs> I mean, you, you you have property and you've been out there. <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> no, he's just <laughs> scared. Bring him no, I'm just mad. But you've been out there. Why I mean, do we gotta face the windows here, guys? <laughs> <laughs> like, can we close the blinds, please? I don't know who's looking outside. Uh, but but you know when you're out in the boonies and you're looking in the sky and you can like see part of the milky way extending through right and right. It, you just see like all the stars it is kind of like holy crap right. like it's just crazy and that's not even that far no there are other stars in our galaxy that could potentially have life living planets yeah. oh or even like the other day i took the 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 binoculars out and with the kid and we went and we saw uh jupiter Right in the night sky, and you can see it from your just your decent binoculars. It's kind of like trippy, right? When you see it, because you're like, "That's a planet." Yeah, that's real weird. Really weird. Yeah, and even when we had the what was it the the, the eclipse or whatever that was the other night? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The, uh, lunar eclipse. So you know, and I was looking at through through binoculars as well, and I was like, "What if I what if I see something fly by?" <laughs> Yeah right. <laughs> right. I can't wait to go see Nope with you guys. I'm gonna die. Nope. 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 <laughs> I'm gonna be good. No, I'm. Well, I'm more concerned. I fire I, in the sky ruined me. Fire, fire in the sky messed me up. I don't know if I saw that one. Oh, it's it's ugh ugh. It's yeah with DB Sweeney, I think. Okay. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Tentacle aliens don't freak me out. But those weren't tentacle aliens. It was just like the little green men freak me out. Yeah, little green men like that. And then um, what's the 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 one with uh, not George Lucas the Jack Nicholson? No, the, the third. Mars Attacks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Be ready for that. Uh, no, the third kind or whatever. Oh, Close Encounters of the Third, third kind. kind. Okay. Yeah, with um, oh my God, Rich Richard Dreyfus. But those aliens in that movie were creepy as hell. They were, even though they're friendly. I mean, they take people. Yeah, but know. like, the, you know, they walk out and they have like, I think it's because they, instead of having the dark eyes, they had like big googly eyes to them. Yeah. And I was like, ah. Uh, uh, like they're seeing into my soul. Uh, oh God. I was doing good until this happened. They see my biggest fear yeah. with <laughs> them. Oh, God. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it is, it is that, but I mean, will it happen? No, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that's why I just have my whistle with me. Take my <laughs> whistle with me for everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I look at all those little galaxies out there, <laughs> you know, potentially. I mean, it's yeah. a possibility, but and again, why you guys are right. laying on the ground thinking about aliens and get bit by a rattlesnake? You know, that Zach? wasn't even a concern. <laughs> Honestly, the like not. realistic real world concerns of being outdoors. But think about that too. How messed up is that if you get abducted and it's literally like <laughs> why you why you gotta talk about my worst fear right I'm now? I'm just saying I'm just saying. As Landon pointed, 
a grain of sand at an arm's length or right. whatever. Why right? are they going to come for me? Right. Yeah. How bad is your luck? They could have <laughs> <they could've laughs> picked anybody. Any, they could have gone to any earth. Any earth yeah. at any time. Yeah, maybe we're the only ones stupid enough to actually be sending signals out there like, hey, we're here at this coordinate. I guess. That's just bad luck, man. This yeah. is a bad day. We're out there sending out Britney Spears. That way aliens can dance, but, you know. If only. Hmm. Well, guys. tonight. I I'm all jacked up this on is coffee. A, I think this is a good point to move to our interview. But let me uh, give a couple of announcements first. Again, if you guys want to order some coffee from Wild Rivers Coffee Company, coffeeco.com, the code HONEYHOLE will get you a little discount, and you guys will get great coffee Coffee shipped straight to your door. Yeah, and you don't have to and mix it. And you can go simping. I mean sipping. <laughs> yeah. Buy it early. You got Christmas gifts. Got, right. got uh, you know, yeah. You don't have to mix it with uh, with bourbon cream. It you does mix well, to. but it's still good. It's you don't good. have to, but it's a fun option. Exactly. And I wouldn't think about any of like your childhood traumas while you drink it, because then you just shake. <laughs> well, now that we've had coffee at eleven o'clock at night, yeah, go everyone's sleep. gonna be asleep, and you're just gonna be wide awake looking at the ceiling. Yeah, going. Kendall, did, I, did I hear something? Exactly. Kendall's Stop. gonna be mad. Be like, "Stop shaking the bed." I'd be like, "I can't help it." There's aliens outside the window. Also, hopefully, our technical issue has worked out by now. Hopefully I mean, they, by the time you guys are listening to this, we have well, been... Well, they're listening to this. It is fixed We up. have had some major issues with our feed, especially if you listen on Apple. So we apologize for that. If you guys went like two weeks without seeing an episode, they were released. They just... If you listen on Apple Podcasts, they're somewhere else. And so uh, we apologize about that. But hopefully it's fixed by this point. One thing we'd really appreciate, though, it really helps us out if you guys leave ratings and reviews. And so if you guys listen, the main one is Apple. I don't I don't know if Google does ratings and reviews. I know Spotify just started, but if you guys listen on Apple, if you guys would go leave us a rating, hopefully good because you like our content. But also if you write a review out, that's extremely helpful for us, um, especially if you like our show and would hi- highly rate us. That would be really nice if uh, you'd leave us a rating and review. And uh, Gabe and I filmed a new fly tying video. We tried a new style. Yeah, it was this pretty fun. Week, I think you guys would appreciate it. Yeah, uh, Gabe tied a mouse pattern for bass that he uses successfully, and it'll be up on our YouTube by the time this releases. But Gabe and I tried a new style of fly tying video where Gabe ties, and while he's tying, I'm asking him questions, kind of like podcasting where we're talking with each other. It's conversational while we're tying. So go check that out and let us know what you think, because if you like it, we'll do more like that. What's yeah. the inspiration for your chartreuse ribbon? Yeah. That uh, this this fly that I tied on there catches fish 100% of the time, 70% of the time. That's so odd. it's <laughs> it's fantastic. That's right. Dead on. Yeah. It's Oz up there with being abducted by aliens. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> they would appreciate it too. Tie a dozen. Tie a dozen. Keep six for you. Keep six, six for them. Share share the wealth. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Good. That's right. All right, guys. I hope you all enjoy our interview with the guys from 18 Anglers who put on this great fishing tournament. They raise a lot of money for the Green Beret Foundation. And here it is. All right, everybody. Joining us to the show, we have Ryan Keaton and Kai Sloan. Uh, They are put on a fishing tournament every year called the A-Team Anglers Tournament. 
to benefit the Green Beret Foundation. And so we're going to have them on because they're putting a tournament together this year. So we're going to talk about the tournament, how you guys can enter, and then we're going to also talk about what it benefits, which is the Green Beret Foundation. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Appreciate it. Doing Thanks good. For Thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, let's start off. What is the A or how did the A Team Anglers Tournament start? Kai, you want to kind of kick it off? I'd like to sure. Hear yeah, I can. I, yeah, yeah, I can take this. So, um, so Ryan and I last May uh, graduated from Rice uh, University in Houston. We we did our MBA there together. So we actually didn't know each other before that. Um, it's part of the curriculum. Actually, our like capstone course we had to do like a capstone project and they gave us a couple options. Like we could either start our own nonprofit. We could, we could um, host an event to benefit a nonprofit um, or I, I can't remember what the other options were, but me and Ryan, like from the very beginning, you know, the, the one thing that we had in common was fishing. Uh, so we kind of bonded through class. And so it's kind of natural that, we said, you know what, let's do something that will actually continue to uh, carry on long after we graduate, something that can benefit people for years and years to come. That's not just a class project. And uh, so we talked about, you know, getting a fishing tournament together because, again, we both love fly fishing. Ryan has a place down in Port O'Connor and uh, Ryan's a Green Beret, and I'm sure he'll talk about that. So I'll let him I'll let him <clears throat> him elaborate. But. Uh, Ryan had some experience with the Green Beret Foundation, and he suggested that maybe we reach out to them and see if we could host a tournament to benefit those guys. So that's kind of that's kind of the long story of how how this thing got started. Yeah, I think uh, the funny part was I think all of us were trying to figure out like what we could do out of this thing, and I just strong armed our group into <laughs> wanting to benefit the Green Beret Foundation because that's kind of my background and where I came from. And we had a great group that was really, you know, willing to kind of put the work in. And that's what really made this thing successful. I think year one was just the fact that because we had five guys that, you know, their graduation somewhat depended on them putting this project together, at least to do the legwork, we were able to really kind of set up all the logistics and really make it a, a worthwhile kind of venture. Um, the Green Beret Foundation is just an awesome foundation that takes care of Green Berets or U.S. Army Special Forces. Um, my background is in that, and so it just kind of made sense for us to, hey, if we're going to support something, let's support something that at least one of us really cares about and is yeah. passionate about. Well, and I think we have found that, too, all of us volunteer with Real Recovery, uh, which is an yeah. uh, organization that takes men with cancer on fly, fly fishing retreats where they get group counseling and they get to learn how to fish. And when you're like invested in something like that and you have personal ties to it and you put the work in, it means that much more as opposed to doing work for an organization that, you know, has never benefited someone that you know or this, that, or the other, that you have strong ties to it. So you're going to be invested in it, extremely passionate about it. And that comes through on the back end too when you guys are advertising and putting the tournament together. It really shows how much you guys care. Oh, thanks. We appreciate it. I was going to say the other thing I think about it too is like we started this project off kind of like I talked about. We had the opportunity to maybe even start our own nonprofit. We kind of looked at, hey, maybe we could start one and then we could pick who each year that we'd 
kind of look at. And then at the end of the day, we really realized there's so many good organizations out there that are already doing great work. And one of them, like for us, I was tied to the Green Beret Foundation. I'm like, why are we going to go start another event or another like actual nonprofit and try to go through that process? We'll do the event. We'll just make the event really kick ass and everybody have a lot of fun and be a great time. And then the GBF, um, that's the acronym for Green Beret Foundation, GBF. So if you hear us reference it that way, they will, you know, all the money goes back to them. They can actually put it to good use. Um, so you're not worried about me and Kai trying to figure out what to do. <laughs> That'd be, that may not be good. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, so what you said you had, ex- uh, Ryan, have had experience with the Green Bray Foundation even before the tournament. You guys started doing the tournament. What was that experience? So I know of it just through being a Green Bray. Um, and from my experience, it was like when we were looking for someone to partner with, I was able to call up a bunch of my friends that are still in group and kind of ask like, cause you never know, like there's a bunch of different organizations out these days and you just kind of ask like, Hey, are they giving back the way that we expect them to give back? And what's the reputation in the community and things of that nature. And, you know, everybody I talked to said glowing reviews in terms of like what they've done for them. Um, I've actually, I knew of them because I'd played in a golf tournament that they hosted uh, maybe a year or two beforehand. Um, And I've been invited to a number of different events before that. And I mean, that's an awesome golf tournament. If you ever want to go like in Houston, they did it out in the woodlands. I mean, I think that event, we're we're a little shy of their goals, Kai, in terms of what they were uh, bringing in. But I think that year that I was there, they brought in over 300 and something thousand dollars for GBF, which was just awesome to see wow. um, and really put on like a class act event. That's awesome. So what does the green, how does the green beret foundation support um, the special forces members? I guess it's, I'm assuming it's post their military career. It's kind of throughout. Um, okay. The way I think of it is like a couple different things. Like GBF is really big on, Supporting Green Berets and kind of like their time of need is the way I would put it. So, you know, the army is really good at making sure that, hey, if I get hurt, right, and I get hurt overseas or something happens, they're going to take care of me. I'm going to go to Walter Reed. I'm going to get everything set up, you know. But there's some people that get like lost in that. You know, your grandparents don't get to show up or your parents don't always get to come, you know, and have lodging and everything like that that they need to support you because you need that whole support system when you're recovering. Um, so GBF will do things like that. They'll pick up the tab on things of that nature. You look at gold star families. So when we lose a guy overseas, um, being able to set up scholarships and stuff for, uh, his or her kids, when you look at, um, you know, there's also transition support that GBF works with. So there's a number of things in terms of like, you know, getting guys to, and that's what some of this event always was. Our goal of it was, you know, not just to support gbf financially but it's the ability to um bring transitioning guys put them on a boat for the day with you know guys in the industry you know different industries and just have you experience like it's networking right i mean i think when i joke about me getting out 10 years ago you know i didn't know what i didn't know um and so just the ability to maybe get on a boat with somebody for a day talk about things kind of see hey i see that what this guy did in oil and gas, or I see what this guy did in tech. Uh, maybe that's the direction I might want to go. 
Um, so we do, we do things along that nature. I think my joke when we were putting this whole thing on is I always feel like good things happen on a boat and around a campfire. So, oh, for true. You know, yeah. Can, oh yeah. If we can facilitate that. We're doing a good thing. No, that, that sounds cool. And I, I like how they are pretty broad and will kind of meet different needs. They really do. Um, you know, you, I think last year, you know, one of the guys we had come down, I mean, you see direct impacts. I mean, a guy that, you know, basically became a lawn dart is the way he'll kind of describe it. You know, parachute didn't open on the way down or kind of cigarette roll hit the ground, um, was in Walter Reed, like and GBF really took care of his family the entire way through. And so in having Travis come in and kind of talk about that experience, um, at the silent auction and at the big event, kind of as we were doing it, you kind of really get that feeling of why we're there. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's really there's cool. A, there's, there's a, there's a few other like cool things that, I, you know, that the green beret foundation does to, uh, Ryan mentioned, like there's family support. So, um, they have a number of different scholarships for the dependents of green berets, uh, who have passed, uh, I think it's who are, who have passed or still serving yeah. uh, for the scholarships. And then I think they they have a program where they send like a backpack full of swag and then like a, a $2,500 check for every green beret. Who's like wounded, uh, in, 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 in service oh, wow. and their families just to like us, just to say, Hey, we're here for you. Like reach out to us, you know, let us know if there's anything we can do to help. And uh, that's kind of gets the conversation going. So it's pretty cool. It's been cool for me because I don't have a family background of people that have served. I mean, you know, here and there, maybe cousins and stuff. Um, so learning about all of these issues through Ryan and then and then, you know, running the Instagram page, for example, I can't tell you how many people who are current or former green berets who have reached out just random strangers reached out and said man thanks for what you guys are doing like this is awesome the green beret foundation has been so helpful for me um it's it's been really cool and eye-opening for me to kind of see see the community out there that's awesome uh ryan let's talk about the I, i'm sure our listeners are gonna be real interested in how one becomes a green beret and your experience going through that process yeah um so my experience was i mean there's a bunch of different ways right so i mean at the end of the day you can join and go directly in and join an 18 x-ray contract which is essentially like you come in as an eight i mean uh, you can come in you can join with the intent to become a green break so there is that ability okay and you go through a program and you go through a bunch of tryouts throughout the way the the typical way is either on the enlisted or on the officer side that you've been in the army for a while um you know maybe a few years on the enlisted side maybe all the way up to like a certain first class or something like that and then you decide that hey i'm gonna go try out and i want to go do the next kind of biggest thing and so you'll go apply to go to um you know try out it's about a month long you spend you know, I think there's a good show called Two Weeks in Hell that is a discovery show mm-hmm. kind of deal that kind of goes through all the things with log PT and all the uh, portions of tryouts. Um, as an officer, you kind of put in a packet and you get selected from that 
portion. Then you go to the tryout. You spend the next you know four weeks going through that. Once you're selected um, at selection, then from there you move to Fort Bragg for about a year and you go through what's called the Q course. Um, so the Q course is about a year long course that goes through all the different skill sets that you need by like your specific job that you're going to have on a team. So like a green beret is a member of a team, 12 person team, um, you know, and there's different functions on that team, whether it's a weapon sergeant, whether it's a medic, um, whether it's the warrant officer or the, the team sergeant that's kind of running the team. So, I mean, there's just, there's very specific jobs. Um, and then that's what you learn at that school for the next year. And so it's a very long process to get through it. Uh, I think the old song is somewhere like a hundred men try three men, make it through it from beginning to end. So yeah. it's a, it's a rather decent selection, I'd say. Um, but so, yeah, I went through it. I was, um, you know, I was an infantry officer beforehand and decided I wanted to give it a try and went and I was a detachment commander for a team out of 10th group. So I got to spend my time when I was in the States and Fort Carson, Colorado, which was awesome. And that's where I started picking up fly fishing yeah. a little bit, not very well. Um, still would say I'm not very good at it, but I enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> We're forever. We're all forever learning. That's what goes for everybody. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like. <laughs> get better every day well, i always joke now i'm like the worst i tell kai this all the time y'all were talking about the guadalupe and i'm like i'm the worst freshwater fly fisherman like i just yeah. i don't i don't get it like it's all about you know finesse and you know setting up split shot to be at the right depths and all these things <laughs> oh ryan you can I'm go catch bass better, you could catch bass i'm like oh, a yeah. much better punch it through the wind with a you know, eight weight and try yeah. to go after redfish <laughs> on the coast. Like that's just far easier to me. <laughs> I tried to do that today for some bass, but I, you know, I got a couple. Did you even find water? I found a couple. I found a couple. It was kind of like, you know, shooting fish in a barrel. Yeah. Uh, you would think you have better chance with the, the less you water. With hey, water. Man. Dang. I know. I saw the I, old figure eight. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. The old figure eight. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of them. Cause like it was so low. The water was so clear. I was like looking at a couple. I'm like, I know you're hungry. You got to eat something. Yeah. Just eat by flock. I'm telling you, you got a Euronymph, man. Right. Got a Euronymph. <laughs> there you go. Catches everything. Dude, I saw so many cats, but yeah, it's yeah. weird. That's a, we're seeing a lot of catfish right now. Yeah, it's uh, whatever. Hey Ryan, what was your job? For so I was a detachment commander. So I was the team leader. Okay. Um, so I was the one officer on a team. Um, I always joke my job was more PowerPoint than anything else and making sure all the con ops were done <laughs> and making sure we had the plan. But I mean, really what my job was is kind of like ensuring that, I think a good way to put it, like Green Berets, once you get to that point, you know, you have a team of 12. And at that point in time, I was probably between 27 and 32 years old while I was on a team and stuff. And you kind of look at, I was probably one of the youngest guys on the team. You have much more senior people that have been there doing this stuff for a long time. So my job was to get the consensus of the team, make sure that like we had a good plan going forward, get buy-in from everybody on the team and then fight to make sure that we got the right operations and could get going, could get going in a lot of ways. Awesome. You're the young, uh, the young hotshot out of West Point, huh? 
<laughs> I was at that point in time. <laughs> <laughs> so how, how many years were you in the Army? Uh, I spent just under nine. Okay. So kind of finished up my team leader time and then decided to get out and get a I joke that that's when I had to get a real job, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, Ryan, so what, uh, going through all your training or all of your time, what was the most difficult thing that you had to, that you had to overcome? I think for me, I mean, I always joke, I think Ranger school is like one of the most challenging schools, but I think that's also because when I went through it and I went through that before I became a green berets, okay. it was because you're younger, like, and it was the first hard thing you did coming out of West point. Um, so going through green Beret training, like when you look at it, the Q course, I think it's the length, I think it's a year long. And so there's just, you know, there's ups and downs in the cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. There's, log PT and fun things like that in selection where you're just getting absolutely beat to death by pushing logs up and down in the air and, you know, getting completely smoked and all the different selection events that they have are hard. Um, going through what we call SUT where it's small unit tactics and just being out in the field for a long time, carrying really heavy rucks, not eating, not sleeping, things like that. That's tough, but it's, what I think makes the guys so awesome is the fact that it is such a long period where like Ranger school was two months, you know, it sucks for two months and mm. it really does. And it's not fun. Going through the Q course is a year, a year plus. If you're like a 18 Delta and you're learning to be a medic, they've got pretty much like six months of like going to be a medic, like almost a cert, like a, I mean, they're extremely talented in what they do. And so the skills that they have to learn in such a short amount of time is just, that's what's painful about it. And that's, what's tough. Gotcha. No, then that, that is a year is a long haul. Yeah. And I'm sure it's, and I, 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 you know, I don't know if I'm assuming you guys weren't doing it every day, but going hard while you guys were there, I'm sure for a year straight. Yeah. And that's why I say there's ups and downs throughout mm-hmm. the cycle. I mean, some phases are harder than others. Um, but it's that, it's that prolonged of like, it just takes a long time to get through the process. And then you finally get out and you get to get to the team and that's when the real work begins, you yeah. know, and that's when it actually gets hard because yeah. now you're deployed and now you're doing everything else that you went to school for. Um, let's talk about the tournament. So how was the tournament set up? Um, okay, let, let me let me back up. Let me make it real simple. Let's say that I was going to fish in the tournament this year. What is the process for me to get yeah. into the tournament and then the rules and how it's set up and categories and all of that? Yeah, so um, like Ryan said, we've we've been fortunate enough to have the support of the team over at Green Beret Foundation who's been really helpful with the website um, and getting that launched. So it's made it pretty, I would say, pretty seamless to get signed up uh, for the most part. So uh, to enter into it, there's so we're having both the fly and conventional divisions. Uh, we wanted this to be open to anybody who wants to participate. So we didn't want to limit this to a certain number of teams in either division. We didn't want to limit it to just fly or just conventional. So it's open to both. Um, each boat is $450 for a team and that covers your entry that covers uh that's that's 
that gets you a table for the event that covers food, uh, drinks for the event. And then we have some cool swag bags and stuff. And of course it gets you in the running for some really awesome prizes. Should you win, you know, first, second or third in either of the categories. Um, so I can go over the fly side and then Ryan, do you want to touch on the conventional yeah. side? Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. So, so in the fly division, um, you know, last year was our first event. I think for the most part, we're going to keep the rules the same, if not exactly the same as last year, because I thought it worked out pretty well. Uh, so in the fly, in the fly division, it's your largest of three redfish and it's all catch and release. So we have a way of identifying, you know, making, making sure it's legit that they have the event, but it's your, lo your longest three redfish. We don't care, you know, where you catch them as long as it's within uh certain boundaries that we set forth i think it's like i don't know it's is it in port o'connor is the it boundaries in port o'connor are... do what <laughs> yeah it's it in... is in port o'connor okay. is where we like base out of gotcha. the boundaries are big it's basically like i think i made it to where you like me and guy talked about it we made it to where you can't fish, fish east matagorda um you know, so Colorado River and pretty much almost all the way down, like, if I remember right, it's down to the bridge at Aransas Pass, you know, so if you want to trailer your boat a long way, I don't really care. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, last year we had it in November, uh, beginning of November this year, it's October 21st and 22nd. Um, so a little bit earlier this year. We had a great turnout as far as like fishing goes last year. I mean, just to put it into perspective, um, my boat. So I was in the fly division with my brother. Uh, we we put eleven reds on the boat and we got fourth. We didn't even get we didn't even place. Wow. And we had like we had like two twenty eights and a twenty six were our longest three in oh, wow. place. What won the fly division last year? I think all. I think they had two. They had a thirty one. A thirty like a and a thirty-one 29. and a thirty-two. Yeah, I mean Tyler Keith. They caught like those PB um, fish out there that year. I think he caught like a thirty-one <laughs> or a thirty-two. Right. Oh, wow. Yeah. Dang. I mean, we didn't see any like real big bull reds, but that's totally in the cards. Like, if you wanted to roll the dice and go, and you know go try to catch a thirty-five inch or you know potentially longer, by all means, you could do that. It's just uh, roll it's a big dice. gamble. Yeah. Yeah. So that kind of keeps it interesting, though. Yeah, yeah. You kind of it's kind of up to you what you would decide to do, and yeah. And do you guys provide like a measuring board or something to make sure that everyone's measurements are slick? Yeah, we're looking at. We didn't last year, and that's something that we're like trying to work with right now with the sponsor, right, to uh, change that for this year, just so we have it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the goal of the tournament, and as we grow and as you get more people in there, like, and the prizes are so good now that you have to kind of pay more attention to that i mean the goal always was that it wasn't just about the fishing it was about giving back to gbf um yeah so we tried not to be crazy on everything along that lines but we did learn some things and kind of said okay that could be that could be something we could institute in the future just yeah. to not have an issue mm -hmm. yeah right we didn't have any issues that's but, good but you could see you always hear things. about fishing tournament issues yeah yep yeah, yeah i mean as this thing grows and continues to grow, you know, we'll obviously paying more attention to those kind of things. But no, last year was great. We had it at the 5D Steakhouse in Port O'Connor, which is where we're having it again this year. They have like 
a really cool outdoor pavilion um, with like a with a raised stage. So we have a band playing. Um, just it, it. I don't know how many people we had there last year, Ryan. Probably at least a hundred as far as like yeah. total total attendees. Um, and we had yeah. plenty of space, so it was a really good venue. Nice. And the food uh, was awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, it helps out a lot. Yeah. Yeah, when the food's good. <laughs> There's a big dinner that we do, um, you know, have a great time. There's normally there'll be beer again this year. And then what's great about five D's is, you know, there's a full bar there too, if you want that as well. So, I mean, it's pretty easy. It kind of works out for us. They're a, a great sponsor and a really good host for us as we kind of set these things up. Um, a pretty new restaurant in Port O'Connor came in about two years, two, three years okay. ago at this point and you guys said this this will be your second tournament correct second tournament and last year we raised over thirty five thousand dollars for gbf y'all raised thirty five thousand dollars yeah yeah that's one. awesome you guys yeah, gonna start year. writing a playbook on how to raise money for uh, <laughs> yeah. non-profits? Yeah, trying to reach you know, out to everybody on Instagram. Like, we're, oh my God. we're like, <laughs> we've been like trying to put together this Ironfly event to raise money for we're recovering. We're like, oh man, we'll. You know, <laughs> just, maybe we just yeah. need to do a four hundred fifty dollars entry fee. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think we had, yeah, I think we had twenty two or so teams total last year. Yeah, um, and it was pretty evenly split, conventional on fly. I think a few more on the fly side. Um, and and so, but it's it's it was kind of interesting because you know the signups at the beginning beginning are kind of slow as like I guess you know people don't want to part ways with their money super early. It's and people haven't made plans for their fall yet. You know whatever. And then, so you're going, man, how many people are going to show up to this thing? It'd be really great if people would like go ahead and start signing up. And then the last like two weeks, everybody signs up. And so, you know, our, the, the amount of money we raised for Green Beret Foundation went from like, you know, 5,000 to 25,000 or something like that. And then the day of the event with the silent auction and everything going on, it was like another 10. So Did it, just- it turned out better than we had hoped. Did know? y'all just do straight silent auction or y'all do raffles too or? We did just a silent auction last year. We'll see what we – we had a great silent auction. I mean, Kai doesn't give himself enough credit. Like, he really reached out to so many people over the last year to really get our sponsors, and that's what made the event so great is, I mean, when you look at – I mean, I could send you pictures at some point of, like, all the stuff that we had out there. We raised over $8,000, I think, in the silent auction alone. We had $14,000 probably worth of, like, gear that was given to us that oh. was all out there. I mean, everything from, and that's not even including our prize packages. Right. I mean, the prize, I mean, the what the top guys go home with from the fly division, two Tibor Everglades, eight weight reels. Oh, wow, nice. um, no, no, it's a, what was it? Yeah, there were Tibor reels. Yeah, that's right. The Tibor Everglades reels or the backcountry reels, I think. Yeah. And then uh, TFO rods, like Orvis sling packs, like gift cards. I mean, a whole bunch of stuff. Nice. And yeah. then, of course, the and of course the awesome trophies. I don't know if you guys have seen. Yeah, I, not, I just saw those right now on the yeah. Instagram page. Those are really cool. Right. They're legit. Yeah, there's something a little bit different. And then on the conventional side, I mean, Sarge Custom Rods donated four like custom high end rods. We had Concept A2 that gave us four brand new A2 reels. I mean, so it was. Like those guys walked away with a, you know, over a thousand dollar prize package for each of them. Um, at that point in time, Yeti gave, you know, all the buckets, coolers, things like that, that we were able to put into things. So yeah, you know, custom it, cups. Yeah. It, it turned out, you know, we worked hard on that side of the thing and that's what I think makes it 
to where it's it's all about GBF. It's all about giving back to the foundation, but it's also got to be fun. It's got to be something that you want to show up to every year. Yeah. Um, you know, and so that was, we work really hard on that side of it to make sure that it's an experience that's good for both our sponsors and all our participants. I feel like it kind of set the bar for, for year two to be really high. Right? Yeah. Really. Yeah. Oh man, the sponsor list got even longer. I mean, it's ridiculous. <laughs> we got pretty much all the support of everybody that we had last year. That's awesome. Um, and just more people are getting on board. So it's really, it's exciting to kind of see what's going to happen this year. Now, plus, are the, oh, go ahead, Zach. I'll say, plus you guys are doing a fly and conventional tournament. And I, it's like, I feel like it's hard to get those two groups of people in the same room. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ryan, do you want to go over the uh, conventional yeah. uh, details? So on the conventional side, it's a, uh, I mean, a team of four. So, I mean, similar to any wade fishing tournament or any regular tournament on the Texas coast, except we do an all catch and release. Um, so with the freeze, you know, two years ago down in, that everybody kind of knows of in Texas, it really affected, especially our trout populations. Mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. So we didn't want our tournament to be another like cause of like that, not coming back to recovery. Yeah. So we really kind of pushed on, let's do this catch and release. We'll do it as basically what a, a stringer, a Texas stringer would look like, you know? So essentially flounder, redfish and trout. And based on your limits of those things, total length of those but it has to be in the slot so with the conventional side we're trying to mimic what a a regular kill tournament would be but just in terms of length so they can't and, even claim the fish if they don't hit that slot was it 22 yeah it's got to be you know what you're 15 to um 25 on uh -huh. the trout um 19 to 28 in the reds and then i'd have to look at the founder yeah. flounder regulations yeah. again because it's the one i don't catch any flounder ever so it's not one of those things that i highly <laughs> yeah you know yeah but actually the, <laughs> the team that ended up winning i think the conventional side last year like the real wild card was flounder those guys pulled in like they had i think four or five flounder yeah uh which is really what what put them what put them over the mm -hmm. over the top so then for absolutely for conventional what are the um the trophies for like what are the the um, trophies are the same okay. so trophies are the same kind of trophy the prize package last year was like i said we had concept a2 reels par paired with sarge custom rods um so super high-end rods mm. and great reels uh you know concept was a big sponsor last year not only donated from the reels but also like gave everybody um a bunch of swim baits that they walked away with oh, so awesome. it was pretty cool to have those as part of the swag bag nice um i would then like below that like second prize i can't remember exactly what we did but i mean there were numbers of like water bottles from yeti maybe a cooler maybe some um some cups and things like that and then the next level down was like some buckets from yeti um some things from like rig strips and stuff like that. I, I can't remember all exactly the prize packages, but they were all pretty good. Yeah. And then what, um, what different events are there for conventional as far as like total length and yeah, it's just total length. It's total okay. length of a Texas stringer. Okay. So, and that's going to be, that's going to get what you in first, second, third, what we're looking, what we're going to do this year is we're looking at side pots. And so probably going to do something around like biggest overall fish and, you know, moat spots on a redfish, and that way it goes oh, yeah. 
both the conventional and the fly side. Guys can kind of they compete against each other. And we had a couple times last year that like some guys caught like a massive black drum, right? And they were kind of like, well, that sucks because it didn't count for anything. Right. Yeah, y'all could so, also do like a sheep's head side pot. Yeah. It would be cool. To, that might be a uh, good idea. Or another said. another idea I've heard at other tournaments. And it's y'all's deal, so I'm, I'm just throwing ideas out there. <laughs> I'm the idea. Oh, we'll take them. But we'll uh, take biggest it. fish on a Snoopy rod. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, division. Oh, yeah. See, Tinkara, Tinkara division. division. Yeah, you guys should you guys should hire us as the idea guys. <laughs> like a like a Shakespeare. God, <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh gosh. Bring God, out my funny. daughter's like little yeah. pink rod that, as oh, long yeah. as they're one of those. Mm-hmm. Just change the, the line. Sheep's head, yeah. The sheep's head are tough, man. They they make me crazy just trying to catch those. Yeah, it's so do. inconsistent. So I was fishing in Louisiana a couple of years ago when they were having the sheepy tournament that Lucas uh uh Bissett was putting on in Louisiana and it was like a fly fishing sheep's head tournament. It was like really a guides tournament and uh, the winning, a lot of the guys were mad because the winners had caught like 22 sheep's head on like Saturday only. So a lot of people quit before Sunday. It was a two day tournament and that in the single day was more sheep's head caught than all the previous years combined total. Oh man. And uh, so I think it kind of put a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths that how can we barely catch a sheep's head and then these guys go catch like 22 on a Saturday. Yeah. I think they were like, they were fly fishing, but they may have been like either soaking flies or they were yeah, like right. fishing like bobbers, you know, fishing flies under bobbers and like a spot that they knew about or something. And, but they wouldn't really disclose how they were, they were, they were catching the fish. And so it made a lot of people mad because uh, how can you even compete with 22, 22 sheep's, sheep's head on a fly? I can't catch 22 redfish on a fly. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, I had a buddy of mine that's like just getting into fly fishing reach out to me the other day um, asking for some advice uh, on, on sheep's head. He said he'd been seeing some big sheep's head on the Texas coast. And he was asking me how to catch them. And I said, I mean, honestly, like throw, I mean, you know. You can just be quick, cast them, <laughs> throw something like small and like a black. Um, but it's a crapshoot. You know, good luck. <laughs> That's about I, all I can give you. I've heard theories like uh, pheasant's tail, like throwing a pheasant's tail, like just real small, no flash. I've never tried it. I don't know if I would try it. I'm the guy that tries weird things, though. But uh, you're going to have a rod rigged up with a pheasant tail just... The- and like no said. like nymphing rig or anything like that, just like a saltwater rod with a pheasant tail on it. Apparently, this <laughs> guy doesn't catch a lot of sheep set. I don't know, um, but I think you got to get got to get creative. Wouldn't that be something that's I, like the weirdest I, thing? Like it's it's what what catches sheep sheep set? Oh, it's a stone fly size ten stone fly nymph. Right. Yeah, we got to throw that on three way. Yeah, I got to throw that three way. And. Yeah, I mean, I really do kind of think of it. This is going to sound silly, but I really do think of it as kind of like permit fishing is similar right going to try yeah. to catch it to try to get a permit to eat a fly is a crapshoot i mean yes obviously skill plays a lot into it practice but a lot of times people are catching permit when they're going to look for bonefish and there happens to be a permit there and it's like oh shit there's a permit cast and you make a decent cast and they eat it but it's hard to plan your day around that and i think the same is true with sheep's yeah. heads like you may see one when you're red fishing and cast to it and maybe get lucky but i wouldn't plan my day around it 
be a long day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, really. No, for sure. For sure. Although I've casted it a heck of a lot more sheep's head than I have permit, and I've caught a permit, and I haven't caught a sheep's head. <laughs> yeah, by the way, I saw that. So, Congratulations on your first permit. Thank you. That was, nice. that was awesome. It was awesome. I worked my butt off for it. It was <laughs> episode 100, which most of our listeners probably haven't heard yet because of our technical issues, but it will be out soon. I've already talked about it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I casted, I don't know, two or 300 times that morning uh, at different fish. They were just like everywhere. We just were in them and they would not eat, not eat, change fly, change fly, change fly, change fly, change fly. Change fly, change fly, not eat, not eat, not eat. Then, like, running in the water to, like, catch up with the school that's moving away. It was, like, the most intense hour probably of my life. <laughs> it's, it's, it's tricky, right? Yeah. They, they talk about bonefish as being pretty fair. Like, you make a good cast. They're an honest fish, I think is what, what some people call them. Yeah. Right? Permit or not honest, you know? <laughs> you can make a perfect cast, and, of course, your chances will be better. But there's still no guarantees. They but may look at what's, it. And, what's half a percent? I mean, <laughs> what's half a percent better? Is that really better? <laughs> no, no, no. Casting know. does help because I actually, that morning I was permit fishing, blew a lot of cast because I was in scenarios where I had never been in before. And so... I don't think I was nervous as much as like I had like was casting at fish with like weird crosswinds that I hadn't cast in before. And I was also like at some point chest deep. And so like casting that high with weird winds was just throwing me off. And so maybe I would move and make a better cast, but I feel like, you know, I could have had way more better shots if I would have been prepared for those situations. Yeah, hmm. casting in chest deep water is not easy because your yeah. fly will slap the slap the water behind you. You keep it just makes things yeah. tough. And crosswinds are the worst. Yeah. No, for sure. Um, so, do you guys have any other questions about the tournament, Zach, Gabe? I have one. Give me a second to think about it. If you guys have something. No, I mean it, that's just awesome. I mean, you guys, like I said earlier, I mean, it, it it's cool to go from a capstone idea, you know, into full you know, fruition to see, to see it be successful. And, uh, you know, pretty excited for year two and it's in it, it's in October. It's not going to ruin my, my work schedule. So now I'm, I'm already thinking like who can text that I can go out there this, this time around. Yeah. Yeah. Cause usually they're in, they're in my busy times where I can't go to those tournaments, but yeah. this one might, this one might work right in October. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So I can, one I thing can I win that say... Tinkara, you know, Tinkara division. There you go. Kane pulled. I was going to say, one other thing about the tournament and one thing that made us really successful in terms of the amount that we raised last year for any of the listeners, we get it. Not everybody can make it out. Like people have commitments and everything else, but what really made us raise over 35,000 was the amount of donations that we got. So you can go on the website. You don't have to participate. You can give a mm. dollar, you can give a hundred dollars, you can give whatever you want. Um, so, I mean, that portion of it right there, is where we raised a ton of money last year. That's awesome. That's a really good idea. And because uh, I, I could see people like, oh man, I can't make it, but easily, oh, here's a hundred bucks. Yeah. And we got a lot of that last year. Yeah. And I mean, even like fives and tens. Yeah. It goes a long way. Yeah, yeah. Every little bit. Yeah. No, so. that that's a great idea too, guys, for sure. We, for sure. we, you know, Ryan and I, we tried to design this thing to where it has as little overhead as possible, right? 
pretty much strictly run on donations. All of our prizes are donated. Um, I think we had a few that maybe we paid like half price for, like really big ticket items. We had some, we had some uh, like really really nice like able reels and stuff last year. But uh, but yeah, we run on donations. We have very little overhead. I mean, we do have to pay some for the food, but even that's discounted. What well, we have swag bags. We we ordered some like really cool performance hoodies last year for the tournament. And this year we're mixing it up. So we're going to do some sweet, like uh, staunch caps. Um, so we'll have those and then we'll do t-shirts and stickers and then a whole bunch of other stuff. So basically like all of the money that comes in for the, for like the $450 team entry um, goes pretty much straight to the Green, Be Green Beret Foundation. So pretty much all of that goes to the veterans and their families. Yeah. Very good. And there, there are opportunities like 450 is your team to get in, you know, if you have a boat, you just want to enter the tournament. We do have the option for it is guided is okay. So I mean, if you need a guide, like you can contact us. There's options on there for like, you know, we'll find you a guide. We'll work through it, both conventional side and fly side. And then there's corporate sponsorships as well um, at different levels. So and all that can be seen on the website. Um, is there a kayak division? Did we talk about that? So there's so there's not a kayak division. Okay. Um, I Ryan Ryan and I still need to talk about that for this year. Actually, we we had I'm a guy last guys, year. I'm, I'm the idea guy. Like that's what I did. <laughs> we had yeah. that's what I did. No one did it, so it was kind of one. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha. We didn't. I gotcha. So we did have a guy last year that fished it on a, a boat ro rover, which mm -hmm. is a motorized craft, but it's basically like a paddleboard. And I think he got third in the fly division. Like he did yeah. pretty good. And it was crazy because that morning it was blowing like 25 miles an hour. He shot all the way across uh, the bay and Port O'Connor, like just nuts. So props to him. <laughs> yeah. So we, we'll look at it. Like if we had enough people reach out to say that they wanted to do it, we'd be happy to kind of set something up. It really came comes down to like the amount of prizes that we have. And we want to make sure that it's, you know, that if you win that you feel like it, it was really worth your time again. So just kind of like, yeah, we only have so many resources. Right. And that's kind of why we haven't opened it up to kayak fishing as of yet. Right. Cool. But you know, it's been, it's been really cool. Um, reaching out and, you know, of course, uh, it's kind of weird asking for donations from these folks, but that's, you know, that's how we're raising money. But, uh, it's been really cool the amount of support we've received like the fishing community and particularly the fly fishing community in my opinion is like super tight-knit and like willing to go to great lengths to support people who are out there trying to do good things and uh, uh, especially the like veterans organizations like the Green Beret Foundation uh, we had we've had just an overwhelming amount of support uh, for what we're trying to do yeah and the, the conventional fishing is pretty good too like we have a good <laughs> We have a good side on both sides. Me and Kai kind of joke. We both like to fly fish. I'm just a little – Kai is kind of silly and will only fly fish pretty much. I, I haven't given that up on the conventional side. So now, we got great sponsors over there as well. Have the – because you originally started as a group of five for NBA project. Are the other three guys still helping continue it, or are you guys kind of taking it over at this point and keeping it rolling? 
it's it's really me and Kai that have kind of kept okay. it rolling at this point. Yeah, um, got a couple. Yeah. We still got a lot of support from Rice from our classmates and stuff like that. So I mean, when people can support, they do. We got some great donations from a lot of our classmates last year. So I mean, it's you know still some support there. But I'd say the brunt of it now has kind of been passed on to us two to keep it running. Yeah, out of the five of us, I think me and Ryan were the only fishermen. The other guys have different interests. Yeah. Um, but it was, you know, they keep up with it. We have a lot of support to, you know, shout out to moms, dads, wives, uh, cousins. I mean, how many people, Ryan, did we have last year show up for the day? I mean, it takes an army to set these things up. So we really uh, had a bunch of support from our families last year, too. Yeah, absolutely. My father-in-law, again, will be running the leaderboard. You know, that's what. <laughs> nice. <laughs> So, uh, one more important question, Kai, how do you think, uh, tech football is looking this year? Man, you know, I'll, I see I'll, people, I'll, I'll tell people you, are, go ahead. I was going to say, I'll tell you, this is probably the most excited I've been in five years at least yeah, for an upcoming season. But I'm curious. Yeah, what you I mean, think. Yeah, I don't know how if that's really saying a lot. At least all tech football in the last five years. <laughs> Maybe go fifty. Look, I, I, it's hard to say. We haven't seen McGuire uh, actually coach a game really yet. Uh, when it's been like his staff, and you know he's done a great job on recruiting. I'll I'll give him that. Uh, we'll yeah. see if he can put it together. It's just tough, you know. It's like I'm a diehard Red Raider, but it's tough to get. The recruits that want to come out to Lubbock. Yeah. It is yeah. what it is. Football compared recruits. compared to, compared to the likes of like Austin, you know, OU, or, like Norman. Well, we're getting basketball recruits and we get baseball recruits, but it's hard on the football side. I think. Yeah, but I think. Yeah. I think having someone like Joy McGuire who has that connection with the high school coaches. Well, our recruiting class for next season is. Yeah. Yeah, but they're going to be young. I say we win six games. You think? Um, you think we split any, the anything beyond six, I think, is. Uh, foolish optimism, and it's just going to set you up for disappointment. What? Sorry, man, you're a real tech fan. No, no, that's. <laughs> that's I've been following tech for a long time, and like they've let me down so many I, times. I, I mean, look, I think I it's going to be a turnaround year. I would say if we make a bowl game, it's a win for the season. That's what I agree. And I went to that game right after they made the announcement that he was the new coach. And even though he wasn't coaching, there was just like a different energy. And I yeah. feel like that's going to go the long. Well, like, and getting fans excited makes long. a big difference. Fill yeah. the stadium. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think give it a year or two, and, and we'll really see a turnaround. It's tough to say his first year, he's just going to come out the gates and outperform. You know, we'll see. Because do we have any, like, top stars right now? I haven't been playing up with I don't. I don't keep up with football personnel. No. no but I, I haven't like been because I haven't been excited. But he doesn't have, like, basketball a basketball I could tell you all about. Yeah. But, but he doesn't yeah. have, like, a Mahomes. So, basketball? Basketball, we're winning the Natty next year. I'll go out and say it right now. Ooh, really? Okay. I like that optimism. Yeah. <laughs> I did too. You know, we have a we are looking star studded for next year with the guys that they've been pulling in. Really? Oh, is it all from the transfer portal? Um, transfer portal and recruits. We really? got we uh, signed our n- highest ranked recruit ever um, for next season. Really? Yeah. yeah. Five star. Five star. No way! I did yeah. not catch that. So that's Kids awesome. legit. And then uh, O'Banner's back. He decided to stay. Okay. And uh, we have some other uh, transfer guys transferring in that look real good. Yeah. Yeah. I really think I really think we have something going here in this uh, Canadian 
and these Canadian players wanting to play in Lubbock. I mean, it's like I said, it's hard to recruit to Lubbock, but I guess if you're coming from Canada, you know, you're like, it's cold oh. up there. So, <laughs> yeah, you I think we should we got to keep that pipeline going. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, and they get they get the tough guys, which is which always works out. Yeah, I feel like it's a safer recruiting bet to get the tough, hard nosed defense guys. Because they're just going to work hard no matter what, so you feel like you always have a chance. You see, we get that we got that Texas baseball transfer. No, I didn't see. Yeah, that. like two weeks ago. So. Typical. All right, guys. Well, uh, thanks for coming on the show. Um, where can people, if they want to sign up, where do they need to go? And also, I'll mention that this will be in the description of these notes. You can just click Perfect. the description button, and the link will take you right there. It will be there. But just on the podcast, if you guys will mention where they can find all the information on the Green Beret Foundation and on the tournament. Yeah, so the easiest way, I mean, most of you guys are on Instagram. Um, so the, I think the easiest way is to go to our Instagram page, A-Team Anglers 2022. Uh, there's a link in the bio. Uh, I think the link is fundraise.greenberetfoundation.org slash events slash 2022 a-team anglers it's a mouthful uh, but yeah just go to the go to our instagram click the link or you can uh go through green beret foundation's page there's a link to the tournament there uh, or you can just google it so okay. once you go to the page it's a really easy uh sign up process uh, you just click register well there's a register or donate button uh, you can go there to do both of those things awesome well, and with donate, a lot of your companies will match the donation as well because GBF is a an organization that most of your companies know. So, if like you're working for a big, you know, Fortune 500 company, they'll probably match it. Okay, that's good to know too. Yeah, and and big thanks to all the sponsors um, this year and last year. Like Ryan said, we have some really great sponsors. I mean, I don't have time to sit here and list all of them, but you guys have a chance to go check out our, our Instagram page, some of our flyers. Um, you'll see some of our flyers at Green Outfitters, Gordy and Sons, and Bayou City Angler. Uh, and you can stop by there to get some sticker packs too. So uh, check it out. Thanks to all our sponsors, and we hope to see you all out there. Awesome. Thanks for coming on the show, guys. This was great. I love talking with you all. Kai, it's good to see you again. Been yeah, years since we saw each other on the quad. I know. Come to Florida. Oh, I'll take oh, you. you. That's easy. That's easy. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're like we're we're ramping up for beach snook uh, season right now. Oh, on the and East I haven't Coast caught a like... snook, so maybe honey hole trip to Florida, guys. That sounds good. How close are you to peacock bass? That's like on my my list. Uh, probably a couple hours because right? they're more inland no, no, like, no. near Orlando. No, you like, can find them in trash I'm like an hour. Too, I mean, they come up as far north as. West Palm Beach, and so that's maybe 40 minutes south of me. So a snook and a peacock bass trip. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, Wait, we take the paddleboard out for the peacock bass, and it's pretty good. Oh, man, oh, I'm still on summer yes. for a month. Let's do it. <laughs> but, the, but the beach snook fishing, that's the ticket. Like, it's so fun. It's just for a couple months out of the year. Uh, they run up and down the beach, and you can catch them like right off the surf, off the sand. Oh man, that's, that's cool. awesome! That sounds like a dream. Yeah, <laughs> and mon monsters like there's some really big ones in and there. I haven't so. caught a snook, so that'll get me excited. I know. Yeah, I'm. I, I need variety in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I can't fish if the you want, forever. You can't just keep hammering the same I just, bass. Like, the I just can't, fun I, stuff too. I can't. Uh, I can't keep hammering uh, those same holes on the Guadalupe River. Well, now they're gone. So, <laughs> so nobody can. <laughs> yeah. 
All right. Thank you, guys. You're welcome to come down to POC sometime, too. And, uh, oh, yeah. Absolutely. Happy to take you out. Oh, Much man. easier trip than getting to Florida. For sure. yeah. <laughs> we can go look for some redfish whenever yeah. you want. Oh, that's Oh, yeah. Great. Definitely. Oh, yeah. Ryan's got the skiff now. Yeah, I do. That's a lot oh. of fun. Which it took me a long time to get my wife to let me get another boat. What what kind of skiff did you get? I've got a 2002 Maverick HBXT. Okay, nice. That's a nice boat. So old school. Um, you had to put a lot of work a lot into of it, or is it? Uh, Man, I got it from a guy that I mean kept it in the garage. It's, for- it's in a it's in great condition. It's yeah. not perfect by any means. Like we want to do some want to do some upgrades, like redo, put some C deck, do some things like that. But yeah. I. You know, like the structure um, is like perfect. Oh, it's a great boat. That's awesome. It's a great boat. And it runs shallow because I tend to get myself in stupid situations. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're not fishing for the right, right areas. If you're not doing that, you know, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All right, guys. Thank y'all for coming on. Thanks for having us. Look in the description below to find links to our website, online store, YouTube channel, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Discord server, and blog. Please send your podcast questions and inquiries to info at honeyholeangling.com. Thanks for hanging out with us. We'll see you again next week.